0: Welcome to the Wellness Empowerment Project.
1: I'm Trish. And I'm Julie. We are two nurses exploring holistic healing and wellness practices to empower you to be the leader of your own health. Join us as we try out new things, or as we call it, weird shit, and have some fun along the way. Hi, friend.
0: Hi. We are finally here. We are! And what in the heck are we doing
1: here? We're going to have a blast. That's what we're doing here. That's what I'm predicting. Maybe we should tell people who
0: we are. Maybe. Hi, I'm Trish.
1: And I'm Julie. And we're two nurses. (laughs) We certainly are.
0: (laughs) And we're going to be talking about weird shit. All the weird shit. (laughs) What brought us here? Do you want to start, Julie? (laughs) What brought us here? Well...
1: First I would like to say that the way that we met being nurse managers in a academic medical center in a major US city we went through the trenches together and we formed a friendship that has certainly outlasted those jobs. We've both moved on to <laughs> other things in our life, but we certainly have this lasting friendship and have supported one another along the way. What brought us to this point is one of many conversations that we've had over the years, <laughs> but really in different things that we're doing to support ourselves and our health our personal relationships, professional relationships. So here we are putting this podcast out into the interwebs. I think that when we started to talk about this project, it was a very spontaneous thing, but we both just lit, it lit me up. I was like, oh my gosh, I have like full body tingles and why is that?
0: <laughs> I remember that. I remember you were, I think this was over text message, right? Which I have to say, like, this is how energy really works. I mean, we were text messaging back and forth, and you're like, gosh, I- I'm learning all these different things, and I want to put this out there in like a blog or a podcast. And I was like, I want to do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. And you're like, <laughs> why? Why don't feel lit up? I'm like, that is your hell yes. <laughs> that means we have to do this.
1: Yes. And having background as a critical care nurse, I was at one point in my life pretty scientifically based and really had not walked through any of the <laughs> energy, holistic, practices really at all. And at one point in my life I was quite the skeptic. But over time I have learned that there's actually a lot of science and a lot of research that backs these things. So I've really been able to trust in those things and really trust in what is my body telling me? You know, there are ways that your body communicates to you. And that was certainly one of those moments.
0: Yeah. I'm also historically a critical care nurse. And I also worked in clinical research for a number of years. So I've participated as a research coordinator in a variety of studies. I would say was a skeptic for a very long time. I feel like I checked a lot of boxes. (laughs) I did all the things I was told to do, but I guess I forgot, like a big Part of the research process that is typically not looked at is expert opinion. And I think that we have taken the expert opinion, I think as a culture, and I think even myself personally, put that on the outside. Oh, expert opinion. Okay, what do other people say I should do? How should I manage this problem? How can I improve these things? But I kind of forgot that, you know what, I can be the expert in my own life and my own journey. And I gave that power up, I think, for a really long time. And I think I forgot what trust looks like and what that even feels like. I was the perpetual doer. I was always doing something and I was just trying to think ahead and very, I would say, disconnected from the rest of myself. I think that's a great
1: point. Specifically, as a nurse, you're taught and you are oriented in certain ways that are pretty regimented and that you adapt to whatever setting that you're in, that you are adapting to whatever those practices are. And essentially you're told, you know, what is correct in that setting. It does, or I think I personally as well started to give up a lot of my own power as to trusting my intuition for what is best for me. Until I really hit a turning point in my life, that's when I started to say, wait a minute, I need to figure some things out for myself and do some of my own research rather than looking outside and being validated by what other people feel are priorities and what other people feel are worth researching or not researching. Make sense? Yeah, completely.
0: And I actually, if you look back on it, we've been supporting each other you know, in so many different ways. I think back you know, when you were first becoming a manager and how we were supporting each other then and how different it looks like from then to now as well. It was all focused on time management, right? Like how can we be more efficient with our our time? Because I don't know about you. I just felt like I lived there. I was probably doing, you know, 60 hours a week. I remember actively trying to decrease my hours and the lowest I could get it was 55 hours a week. By the end of the week, I usually had nothing left to give. And I was so exhausted that I really didn't even enjoy my time off. It was more just recovery for the next week. And I remember thinking like, okay, is this it? I've worked so hard and, you know, I'm proficient at this point. I've done this job before. I've done it for a while. I'm mentoring others. I've built my team Why am I not being able to step back a little bit and enjoy my life? And I think that's what really started for me to try to look at things a little bit differently. I think
1: that for a long time, I did a lot of blaming of myself that took extreme ownership of why I was working so many hours and continued to seek ways that I could do this in a better manner and that self-blame. I think there's always room for accountability in, in your professional life, but then there's also recognizing when the situation you're in is right for you or when it's not. And the signals of when you go home and how you're able to function when you go home And in your downtime and how you're utilizing that downtime, those are more ways that your body is, is communicating to you whether or not that it's the right situation or it's not. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good or it's bad. I think it's more of, is this the path that you want or you don't want? You're right. I think that the majority of Saturdays (laughs) was recovery. And then Sundays, I would get the the scary Sundays of, oh my gosh, there's so many things I need to get done that I didn't do when I was lazing around yesterday <laughs> on Saturday. And then panic would set in, you know, and that impacted relationships that I had with my spouse and my kids and kind of just set the tone in our household that was not necessarily a positive one. That's when I was also thinking like I need to figure out another way.
0: This is something that we don't talk a lot about is how our body responds to the stress. I mean, we talk about it in a very medical form to have blood pressure, right? And then you can, you know, be overeating, diabetes. We talk about it from that perspective, but we also don't always talk about how stress affects our nervous system. So I kind of look back on all those times when we feel like we're anxious because we haven't gotten anything done, but I wonder how much was that our body was in freeze mode and our nervous system is just so depleted and it was communicating with us, but we didn't recognize it at the time because we were too busy trying to fit ourselves into the space that we were currently in. And when I say space, I mean that, you know, it could be whether it's a relationship but even work, right? It's a re- your relationship with your work could be the unit could be your boss, whatever that looks like. But I guess I look back and I see all these ways that my body probably was talking to me. I just wasn't capable of listening. And I think I wasn't capable of listening because it was so ingrained in my body. I didn't realize it could be different. I know for me personally, I've always had anxiety of some sorts, a little bit of social anxiety, wanting to know who is here, what's going on, partly why at times I'd be very regimented, but I realized, at least for me, I started just dabbling in some different things. I was like, you know, I'm so structured. I'm so type A, maybe I need to do the things that are more relaxing. So I was like, all right, maybe I won't do the spin class. Maybe I won't lift the weights. Why don't I try something, you know, like a yogic practice? And I was just doing something online. And I remember they had this, the deep relaxation afterwards. That was only five minutes long. And after a minute and a half, I would be completely antsy looking at my phone, being like, oh my God, how can I lay here for another three and a half minutes? <laughs> it it probably should have been an indicator that something wasn't right because my body physically just could not relax in that very blatant setting. But at the time, it was just like, oh no, I just have to be busy. I have to be doing something, not really realizing that was a way that my body was communicating with me. But eventually, I kept trying different things, and I found Kundalini yoga. And I just, I literally, when I say you randomly found it, I was reading something on MindBodyGreen. I clicked a little link. They're talking about it, and the teacher was talking about that it's a technology. And she started talking about the nervous system and the glandular system and the science of angles. And I was like, okay, this sounds a little less hokey, you know, especially for someone who, who had a, you know, a vinyasa never really worked for me. I would consider myself a yoga person at all, but she talked about it and I found it fascinating. So I did the practice and I was like, I feel different, I feel better. And I just started diving in. But the point of this was it took many, many months. And I actually incorporated some of the breath work specifically because I, I found it to be a little challenging, which was good. It also wasn't time intensive. I didn't have to start blocking out more time in my day. I'm like, oh, where do I find another hour to do this? I was like, oh, I could try this breath practice. I do it three minutes a day. Let me start that. And I remembered after a couple of months being like, huh my anxiety is gone. Like it was such a constant chronic state. I almost didn't realize when it left, I actually didn't someone, we had a conversation and we're talking about like, you notice first some, maybe some physical changes. So when I realized my anxiety went away, I was like, wait, I thought I wasn't gonna be able to change this. I didn't go in with the intention of releasing my anxiety. I truly believe like it was just part of me and who I was. It was just my personality type. But when I realized that that was able to shift, I was like, man, that was something I previously accepted. I just accepted it. And I didn't think I could change it. And I lived my life with that thought process. But it made me think, okay, well, what other things have I accepted that I actually could possibly change, but
1: just didn't think I could? I'm just thinking something you just said, where when we went through nursing school, I'm not going to say how many moons ago, but many moons ago. You know, we were really taught that the neurological system, our brains were pretty fixed and that you were what you were. I think that in more recent years, there has been a lot of research that shows that that's actually not true. And so I think that part of our mindset around things like having anxiety, it was like, well, that's just me. That's who I am. And there's not much I can really do about it, but maybe I could take a pill because I think that's what we were taught.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why there's probably lots of reasons why, right? We're in this kind of like quick fix culture. It's this culture of the do, do, do. You must be productive. We don't have time to deal with that. Just take a pill. But you're right. It's also this part of like, I can't change it. So I need something like a pill to help me change it. You know, what is even more interesting is we focus so much on our the motor system, but really like we have a lot more sensory pathways in our body than motor pathways, uh, you know? And it's like, when you think of it from that perspective, just that piece of information, it's like, well, geez, why have we not been focusing on that piece? It's almost like there was like this unconscious decision. We have sensory of motor. We're just going to focus on the motor. Right.
1: I think also in medicine, Western medicine, we really silo different body parts. You have the nervous system, you have the circulatory system, and you learn those different systems in your body as separate, not really about how they all integrate. And that's Mm -hmm. how you see healthcare is practiced in the United States, particularly You have specialists and we have more and more specialists all the time. And if you want this fixed, you go to that one. And if you need something else fixed, you go to somebody else. There is a broader perspective that really hones in on separating out different aspects
0: of your health. That's completely correct. And I think we're also missing just our own emotions. We're focusing on what we're able to see with our own two eyes, what we're able to touch, what we're able to feel but we're not really integrating how our emotions are affecting our body. We're not really integrating how different experiences as maybe affected us on another level. And those different levels can present themselves in a physical map. Well, I think
1: that really became apparent to me after I deployed to Afghanistan. You know, I grew up, I didn't have anxiety per se prior to that deployment and When we were, when I think back on this now, it kind of makes me laugh, but when we were getting ready to leave, one of the things that I wanted, or I least wanted to come back with was post-traumatic stress disorder. And I spoke to one of my peers and he said, there's this whole article on secondary stress disorder that caregivers like us may experience And I was like, well, what can we do to not get that? (laughs) (laughs) What can I do to make sure that doesn't happen to me? Because I don't want to come back. I don't want to come back from my one year away from my family. Crazy. Those were my words. I do not want to come back and be crazy. So off I went. Off we went and experienced a lot of trauma in caring for people who were hit by explosions, also, you know, being under fire ourselves and different things that have happened. You know, And I came home and I had all my body parts, I hadn't, hadn't experienced physical harm due to combat, but I certainly came back with exactly what I didn't want. And what am I going to do now? You know, the options that were presented really were centered around, take this pill. And I thought, I don't want to take a pill. I went through this wild experience. Somehow I have to process it. So that's really when I started to take some ownership over myself and not just go with the easiest route. That was kind of my turning point, just exploring breath work and listening to the different senses that were coming up in my body and how I was able to manage them in ways that were not popping a pill. As I was, I was pretty desperate to kind of heal from that whole experience. And so I was like, just tell me what I, need. <laughs> what can I do? That's not a pill and not electroshock therapy, <laughs> you know, like, what can I do? I started to look around and I was like, some of this is really weird shit. This is weird stuff. This is not something that I would just have done. We had an anesthesiologist who did acupuncture. We went to a talk and they said there are certain points for stress and anxiety. I went to her (laughs) and she was like, oh yeah, I could just pop this thing right in your ear. And I was like, this is weird shit. But why not? It's not going to hurt me. (laughs) Right. And so, you know, that was kind of where I was like, I will do anything. If it's something that I can do for myself and won't hurt me, why not try it?
0: And some of those things worked. Some of them didn't. No, a hundred percent. I was trying acupuncture myself too. And, you know, a lot of it was going through. A little bit was stress and anxiety. A lot of it was us, you know, trying to get pregnant. And that was one of the other modalities I was trying because we were trying through the, the IUI and the cycles and I was desperate. So we were taking all the hormones and it did not affect my body well. It did not affect my mental state well to the point even where my husband was like, I don't want us to continue this and you doing this to, to your body but I think that's what happens is that we become whatever experience that we've had, we're almost in the state of like desperation. And when we get to this point where we can't, we don't want to try these things anymore that are causing other effects to our body or other effects to our mind that we may not want to the weird shit. (laughs) (laughs) and you know kundalini yoga is weird i'm sitting on my bed like i think i was doing a chant and a breath work and move my arms in different directions and someone who historically like really would be like okay what's the control group for this study not her thing at all but yeah got to the point where it's like you know what i just need to put you know my ego aside for a minute and stop this self-judgment of things that I can try to do that really don't have the risk, especially right. when you compare it to other things that we could be putting in our body. And it's almost amazing, right? When you think about it, it's like, okay, I'll take this pill that has these side effects, <laughs> but I'm not gonna try this weird practice or something I perceive as a weird practice as I haven't done it before, <laughs> or it's not commonly accepted that really isn't gonna hurt me. Right, the breath of fire,
1: the breath of fire. It sounds weird if you're like, who does that? And if you actually watch somebody do it, but you know what, who
0: cares? The shit works. The (laughs) shit works. I will tell you, breath (laughs) of fire. Like, well, and here's the other thing too. Even with some of these alternative practice, it can become a little prescriptive. There is a breath. They call it the segmented breath in kundalini yoga. And they say that's for anxiety. I never use that breath. I'm not saying I've never, ever done the breath. I'm saying I did not incorporate that breath into my daily practice. I learned about Breath of Fire. I thought the health benefits were amazing. I love the fact that you can clear out toxins from your body. You're clearing out those toxins from your lungs. If you do it over time, you can increase your endurance. It helps balance both sides of the brain. And it was a little difficult. It's one of those breaths. That some people can pick up very quickly, or it takes time to learn. And I guess for me, having something that took me time to learn and having all those benefits was that nice sweet spot of a challenge. But I swear it's that breath of fire that helped shift my anxiety. And I had a friend ask me, she goes, What breath did you do for anxiety? And I said, Well, here's the thing the prescription, and because a lot of the alternative practice can become prescriptive, the prescription. what they say is the segmented breath, but I personally did breath of fire, but I think this is the part where we need to be okay with if something is presented itself to us and we're intrigued to it and we're drawn to it to take that leap and just listen and trust. And you may still get that desired effect. And actually you may get effects that you weren't even thinking would come, which is even more fun. Yes, I totally agree.
1: I think that it also has helped me to just lighten my approach to how I want my health journey to go. I hear about something, I read about something, I'm curious about it, and I'm like, well, why not? I'll try that. If it doesn't work, I've caught myself in the middle of some thing, like, this is so weird, and it it's funny, like, It helps me to recognize that it's not always so serious. It's okay to try something out of the box or something that you never thought you would do and just try it. Like it's okay to try and it not work, you know? And it's also okay
0: to not get the outcome that you expected. And I think it's also okay for us to enjoy the journey, enjoy the process, and be open to seeing what else comes up. And I think that's a big part of why we're doing this. You know, We're gonna obviously have on lots of different guests as well, because we really wanna dispel the myths with all this quote unquote weird shit. Like (laughs) we're all weird, but we also want this to be more accepted. It's okay to try different things in your own journey. It's okay to not get the exact outcome that you wanted. And there's just so many different things to explore and to try. And a lot of it, I think, is just delving into a deeper relationship with yourself.
1: Right. And I think it also helps to recognize how unique and individualistic everyone is. Because you and I may try the exact same thing. And I might be like, oh, my gosh, this is like life changing. This is so amazing. And you're over there like, didn't do a dang thing for me, Mm -hmm. not for me moving on. And I'm like, Oh, I have to do this. I need to do this lymphatic massage every morning when I wake up and before I get (laughs) out of bed, because man, it gives me a burst of energy and I love it. And you're like, "Mm, no. And I think that that my husband has, you know, he's an amazing guy and he has supported me through many a weird shit. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes he's like, I don't get it. And I think that having that perspective and seeing that like something that might be great for me may not be great for somebody else or might not work for somebody else. And something that works for you might not work for me. And that's part of the fun, figuring out, okay, well, what is it for me? What works for me,
0: my body? Well, and we are ever-changing human beings. Where we are right now, it's not where we're going to be tomorrow, let alone in months, one year, two years, et cetera. So just because something did not affect you in a way that you desired or expected or didn't expect, doesn't mean it won't come back into your field at a, at a later date. I think that to be said when something keeps presenting in your life, it may not have given you what you need desired at this point, but it comes back in. And maybe when it comes back in, it's able to provide you that at that time you're maybe you're more ready or more open or we've healed this much and now we're ready for this other piece yeah I think
1: that's a really good point you know there are things that I've tried and moved on to another thing and then something happens and I think oh wait this might be really good for me to try that again and going back and having a different experience and so I think that's a really great point I am also really looking forward to learning about a lot of different things with different people that we're going to be bringing on this podcast. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. More weird shit.
0: Oh, completely. More weird (laughs) shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. What are you thinking right now?
0: This may be a good time to wrap up our inaugural session.
1: Yes. I'm so happy that after all of our conversations, all of our planning spreadsheets we have finally hit record we have been overthinking ourselves in this podcast quite a bit but hopefully this means that we're providing a really great product to our community and those who are listening to us right now
0: yeah we really hope that anyone who listened if this resonated with you if this sounds like a current or even past version of yourself you know our goal is to empower you the the perpetual doer and overthinkers of the world And to help you know that you can become a leader in your own health and wellness journey. We hope through this podcast, we're going to be blending the art and science of those different holistic practices, and that you can transform yourself from the inside out. Amen, sister. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Thanks for joining If you enjoyed this episode, please follow, subscribe and share with a friend. Want to learn more about a specific topic? Drop us a line on our website and we can explore it deeper with you.